You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. One point game. Here comes the blitz. Manning sidesteps. Manning throws deep, wide open. Bye bye, Beckham. Touchdown, Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hello, Grump. Happy uh, Happy Monday after division playoff weekend. Um, a lot of games went to chalk, so you know not as exciting as the first weekend. But uh, you know, before we get into that, it was nice having you play Mel Kiper Jr. for a for a bit and joining my other podcast. I jumped on the uh, Mark and the Cranky Fan podcast to talk about the declaring Florida Gators and those who also decided to stay. It was a pretty even split in Florida um, with a lot of a lot of really good talent coming out all at one time for Florida, or at least eligible all at one time for Florida. Um, and some positions that Giants fans really should be interested in. I'm going to cover all this stuff as it relates to the rest of the draft as we get into position groups coming up in the in the coming weeks. But if you want to get a head start, there's two guys in particular that um, Giants fans should really have their eye on already. Uh, and if you want to find out who, just check out that podcast. It was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, we it was really awesome. I uh, I felt like I had my uh, my regular wife and my side piece together at the same time. So it was a little strange. So without it was a lot hair of fun. pulling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you want to check that out, it's on iTunes and SoundCloud. It's the Mark and the Cranky Fan Show where we always talk all things Florida Gators. So I will make all of you Giant fans Gator fans by the time we're through, come hell or high water. So. <laughs> um. Getting back into this weekend, um, this was probably the best weekend of Giants playoff football since 2011, right? <laughs> well, if you're talking about the the Cowboys and the Eagles getting eliminated, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I had a good time. I was getting my victory cigars and my champagne out. So it was it was kind of nice to see. Um, most particularly Ezekiel Elliott getting completely bottled up by the Rams. Um, the New Orleans game kind of had me biting my fingernails a little bit, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially jumping out to that 14 nothing lead. You know, I think everybody was freaking out about it. You know, I think uh, <laughs> I think Nick Foles' uh, agent was having dollar signs in his eyeballs as this was happening, which he'll still make his money, but, you know, all of the... Uh, you know, all the cliches you've heard for the last couple of weeks and really since last February of, you know, he's a big game guy and, you know, he's the guy in Philly of the future or he'll make millions and millions, you know, in the open market. You know, it's just nice to have a little reality check that, uh, you know, for as hot as he was last year and even the run he's made now, let's think and let's think about this. If he's really a legitimate NFL starting quarterback and an elite starting quarterback for the money he's going to command out there and something that Dave Gettleman will really have to if the opportunity even presents itself which we both agree probably won't but something to keep in mind we going forward with him well well let's actually talk about that because if, I think if there was one running theme throughout this weekend it was how important the defensive line and the offensive line are I mean especially the front seven on defense as we saw you know Nick Foles being able to stand clean in the pocket was a huge deal. Um, keeping Ezekiel Elliott to under 50 yards rushing. Um, 
you know, the Eagles front seven gave New Orleans fits. I think Andrews Pete had the worst day of his life playing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just so important this weekend, that defensive line, that offensive line. And if you were to name the two biggest weekend weaknesses on the, the Giants team, it would probably be offensive line and then defensive front seven. Yeah, you know something, and if I'm ranking those, I think right now I would say defensive front seven is a bigger problem than the offensive line. I mean, the line is still, offensive line is still a problem and absolutely needs some significant upgrades, but the lack of a pass rush by the Giants, you know, and, you know, the, the lack of really run stopping, it's, it just kills this team. And it killed, you know, chances for victory in the last several weeks of the season where you saw them just run out of gas in fourth quarters. So, you know, every team. You know, we saw with Eli, when he has no time to throw, he's useless. But when he has some time to throw, he's still an effective quarterback. And we see it all over the league. So one of the uh, things we talked about with Jerry Reese is that he used to build outside in. You know, The hope is Gettleman is a guy who builds inside out. And he has a history of drafting defensive linemen high. So hopefully that will, that will uh, be harbinger what's going on later. Yeah, I'd almost be tempted at this point after watching this weekend um, and just getting as many pass rushes as they can out of this draft. It's it's so heavy with them. But, you know, when you really think about it, do you think that C.J. Anderson is an outstanding running back? If he was, he wouldn't have been cut twice this year. Exactly. I mean, is that really more a product of Dallas's defensive line being blown off the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I mean, it's just – well, he's had a good couple – last couple of games, too. It wasn't just the Dallas game, but uh, – No, but know, it's, it's just, the but, Rams' offensive line. Yeah, they, that's 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 kind of it, yeah. You have a really good offensive line, and you have a, you know, a capable running back. I mean, just – he's nothing super exciting, but someone who can grind out yards. You yeah. give him holes, and you get push. Makes it a lot easier. Yeah, and, and, you know, do we think that Nick Foles is an outstanding quarterback? No. Well, we think he's he's capable, mm-hmm. but you, you put him in a good position to succeed. And he'll succeed. And he'll succeed. But, you know, something I can talk about, you know, 40 quarterbacks in this league, if you put them in a position to succeed, will succeed. But I think that that just stands to the importance of the offensive line in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, Drew Brees was under duress like crazy. Uh, the I think his, if I remember the first quarter for the Saints, right, it was an interception deep downfield, first um, play, yeah, uh, a, a three, three and out. Three and out. I think there was out. a bobbled snap. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a delay of game in there. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Probably the ugliest one quarter of Drew Brees' last 10 years. <laughs> and also, it was the only one of all the games this uh, this past weekend where the team with the bye, the home team, looked very sluggish coming out of the gate. Yeah, you're right. When we look at New England, they came out like crazy. Holy shit, did I have that game wrong. I thought for <laughs> sure that was going to be a, like, a slugfest, and it was just I, – I don't even know. It was – Awful. I well, the, I stopped watching. Yeah, well, all the things that we, you know, we worried about with the Chargers where, you know, going to the East Coast again, the early start, you know, the cold weather, blah, 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 blah. 
sometimes those things actually do impact the game. Sure. And I, I, I think that was part of it. I think also, you know, you may nitpick Bill Belichick for this or that or something. He's still the best coach in the league. And, you know, you give that team two weeks to heal up, you know, a 41-year-old quarterback a couple weeks to heal up. You have the best coach in the game who, you know, implements a, a scheme and a game plan and play calling that's better than anybody in the league. And this is kind of what happens. Yeah, and I, I think that's the most important thing is when, when you looked at that game, I thought that that played right into the Chargers' strength. So, you know, get a pass rush in Brady's face and he melts down. It's the one consistent in his career. He struggles when the pass rush is in his face. And that's what the Chargers do well. And some, you know, the last two weeks, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick came up with a way where they didn't even get within, you know, smelling distance of Tom Brady. No, not at all. It was... was, he he had all day back there to write a whole other TB12 diet and you know, do whatever <laughs> he wanted. I mean, it just sometimes it just happens. You know, you can, you know, you're about almost at San Diego. If you're LA and you're coming up with your own game plan, sometimes it just doesn't execute. And that you know that was an offensive line that, I'm sorry, a defensive line that couldn't get any pressure. And yeah. and against you know he might be 41, but he's you know always been one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league and you know he gets time to throw he's he showed he had a little left in the tank and uh unfortunately for all of us they are advancing and you know they are a game away from being back in the super bowl and i would not go to vegas and bet against them right now i mean they're they're up against their match going to arrowhead um you know i Mm -hmm. think it's i don't have it right in front of me but i'm trying to remember the last time New England had to play on the road in the playoffs. Well, it certainly hasn't been the last eight years. I think they've had buys the last eight years. So it certainly wasn't in that round. Um, I'm trying to think. I know they, I remember they lost at home to Baltimore probably about 10 years ago. That was that Ray Rice game it was wild card Sunday in 2009 when wow. Baltimore beat the Patriots in Foxborough. I, I don't, I, I can't remember the last time I seen the Patriots on the road in the playoffs. Just playing in it or just being in one? Just just being in one. On the road? It it just Yeah, it doesn't uh I mean, it nobody helps. had some crazy seed. Yeah, <laughs> helps that they're not 12 and 4 every year or a one seed or a two yeah. seed. Well, they they get a nice, you know, six wins gimme per year. But Right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they have their match laid out for them. The Chiefs showed – so while we saw the Rams kind of slow down maybe three-quarters of the way through the season and even didn't look super hot against Dallas at home, um, the Chiefs showed no signs of slowing down. Um, I mean, that game was over just as quickly as New England game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these games all kind of went to chalk, and uh, you know, and the conditions are going to be even worse this Sunday. It's going to be freezing, like I think ten degrees. It's going to be a kickoff of uh, two o'clock Central Time. It's going to just get colder as the game goes on, and uh, it's hard to score when it's really, really cold out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I 
But a guy like Mahomes, he just makes things happen. He just has, you know, crazy arm angles and just he creates something out of nothing. Uh, do you do you worry at all at Andy Reid being too creative and outsmarting himself? Oh, I do. I <laughs> Andy Reid and smart in the same sentence is kind of an oxymoron because <laughs> he'll do, he'll do some Andy Reidian thing where he'll burn all of his timeouts or he'll do a <laughs> stupid challenge or he'll go for it when he shouldn't go for it. I mean, when you're fighting against eleven guys and your head coach in big spots, it's not easy to win. So. Um, but again, you know, a guy like Mahomes, he, like I said, he does so much on his own and so much improvising of things and not in a, not doesn't like, like in a gambling way necessarily. It just seems like he just finds a little crevice or a crack and makes a play out of it. So what's, what's your thought on this? What's going to happen? Man, I don't know. I, I, I can picture in my head the, the Bill Belichick press conference afterwards about what didn't go right. Um, I can picture like the uh, the media hype up for the Super Bowl of Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, I, I could picture all of that, and yet I, I just somehow have this doubt that that the Patriots are going to lose. Um, I just one of those things where you can you can picture you know Arrowhead Stadium just rocking as soon as the game starts and then like you blink your eyes and there's like a pick six and then you know Tom Brady leads a three play drive and it's fourteen nothing and suddenly it's quiet you know yeah I mean if this was three years ago I'd I'd, I'd buy it much more <laughs> yeah that, that that scenario but again I just. Uh... Everything is telling me that Kansas City is going to win this game and win it kind of convincingly, but I just have that fear that you have to cut the head off the, you know, off the dragon. You have to, you know, and I, I just, I'm worried they're going to win. I just, I, I don't want to, I almost am afraid to even make a prediction for that game. But yeah. uh, well, I mean, it, just, you, you even have to look back to, uh, you know, the Falcons Super Bowl. I mean, that game. I literally stopped watching. I mean, I have no interest one way or another, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm just looking for an exciting game. And I I didn't even realize that the Patriots had come back and won. I stopped watching and started doing something totally different. <laughs> and, you know, that game was so for sure over, and yet the Patriots still won. Yeah. And even last year, it almost went the same way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, that game... You know, another that game goes to overtime for some reason. Are you betting against New England to win that game? Lose that game? Not me. Oh no way! If there no was way. one more minute on the clock, that's a Patriots win. That that too, yeah. So I guess you know we're we're gonna be. I'm picking. I guess. Jesus, I don't know. I'm gonna say that New England's gonna win on the last second field goal. Even though everything in my head tells me Kansas City's gonna at least cover the spread in this game, if not more. Well, this is a big deal because Rob Gronkowski is seriously considering uh, retirement at the end of the season. Uh, a couple couple too many knocks on his body, probably. <laughs> um, and, you know, every year we're kind of waiting for Tom Brady to retire. And it, it I have a feeling it's going to happen in a way where it's not going to be big news until it happens, you know? It's just going to be like an alert on your phone, and you're going to be like, holy shit, 
Yeah, and all of a sudden you're gonna have the hot takes for the next three weeks. Is he the goat? Yeah, he's overrated. Three blah, weeks, blah, blah. three years. <laughs> um, so I, you know what? I'm gonna make a bold prediction. Kansas City wins. Rob Gronkowski announces retirement this off season. So does Tom Brady. That's my bold prediction. My less than bold prediction is Kansas City wins. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, there's also that school of thought if they lose and he got that close that Brady, he's such a motivated guy. He's like, I'm going to give this one more shot. I'm not going out as not a winner. Well, I mean, it all depends, right? I mean, if if they go in there and they get the shit kicked out of them and he's really getting beaten around, you know, it doesn't really matter how far you've advanced. You know, you look at, look at Brett Favre and his mm-hmm. days as a Minnesota Viking. That was 2008. I think that was his last season, right? Yes. And um, they were in a conference championship game against Greg Williams' uh, Bounty Gate Saints, and he got demolished in that game. I mean, I, right. I don't know if you've seen them, but they he showed pictures of his like his thighs. Yeah, but you're also talking about after retirement and two teams later after that. Too. Of course, but roughly the different... same age, right? Yeah, but this is uh, – he was 41. Was he that old? I don't even think he was that old. But it's just yeah, the I mean, point. You know, it's it's wear and tear on the body. I I understand that he had mulled over retirement a bunch of times and there was a whole He know, did do retirement, yeah. Circus song and dance that went along with it, but Right. You know, I, I think the ultimate deciding factor is, you know, the same thing here. But, but Brady's Brady's kind of a nut. I mean, Brady thinks he in his head thinks he can play till he's forty five and forty six. And he has this, you know, you know, that TB12 you were talking about, he, he never eats anything bad. He always asleep by 8.30, you know, all of that bullshit. So he might be thinking, you know, it, I, the decision of retiring is out of the question right now. I still have, you know, three to four years left, and I'm just going to keep on the plan. Yeah, it only takes one hit, though. That's true. If he, I mean, if he gets hit just – first of all, he's already had a torn ACL. So – it, I guarantee you, if he tears another knee ligament, that's it. He's done, right? Oh, that cha- that changes the equation completely. But, but I, mean, I mean, if he gets if he gets a serious concussion or, you know, that decision, then you know, if he had gotten a serious concussion at thirty, is not the same as you're forty one. You know, mm-hmm. now when you right. say you're thinking about your future, the future for him is like two years in the distance where these long-term right. effects start. So, you know, right. that's a, that's a, I think, I don't think he's thinking about, well, when this injury happens, I think he has a, I agree with you. I think he has that, you know, in case of a uh, fire, break the glass plan, if that happens, but I think he's going status quo. Like I'm assuming I'm not going to be injured because, well, I'm Tom Brady and I'm a special athlete and I'm a special human. <laughs> so I agree I, with I you. Think yeah. 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 But I don't even think about things like that. Of course. And I don't think any athlete should, you know, Think mm-hmm. about the potential. I mean, if you think about the potential risks, why are you even playing? You're gonna, well, you get hurt in the next play if that happens too. Exactly. But you know, I, I do. Th- that's going into my uh, my prediction there. Okay. If he gets rocked around too much and mulls over retirement after. So what, yeah, you know, whatever. So let's talk about the other game then. Um, I I'm not buying the Rams. I'm well specifically. I'm not buying Jared Goff. He didn't look particularly good the last like couple of weeks. Now um, he didn't look good in the playoffs last year either. Yeah, I mean that game 
he didn't have to look good against the Cowboys because Todd Gurley and CJ Anderson had something like 200 yards on the ground by the third quarter or something like that. Um, but when he did drop back to throw, he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying them on the road. Yeah, I'm not buying Jared Goff going into the Superdome and winning. Not after the way he played against Dallas. Well, let me ask you something, though. As good as their offensive line has been, as good as their running game has been, as good as the Rams' defense has been, can Goff just be you know, a game manager in a game like this and still win? I mean, we've seen this is not the same Saints team that was the first three quarters of the season. Their offense is not clicking the way it was. The defense seems to have stepped up a little bit, but I'm not as I'm not fearing this team as much as I did around week 11 and week 12, where you know Drew Brees was you know one or one A for MVP. I, I think Mahomes is going to end up being MVP after you know the all said and done with this season. Um, there are weapons the Rams have on the outside. Uh, I, I just don't think he. I don't think. I'll, I don't think Jared Goff all of a sudden becomes a guy you have to game plan around if you are the Rams to hope to win. Well, no, no, no I get that's it. what I'm saying. He might be the guy who's going to go for 340 yards to win the game, but I don't think he has to. Well, no, I don't. In this game, I think he has to. I don't think for a second that and this, you know, I could be totally wrong here, but I don't think that Todd Gurley and CJ Anderson are running for 200 yards against the Saints. I just, but I also don't think that I also don't think that Drew Brees is throwing for 340 against the Rams defense either. So I I, no, I think I, this is going to be a, a lower scoring, more of a you know tighter game than on first it looks on paper. But I'm just talking about the you know I I don't because I don't think Jared Goff is going to be able to lean on Todd Gurley, uh, you know, and C.J. Anderson. That the fact that they're playing in the Superdome and just how damn loud it is in there. I think really affects everything. Um, you know, I agree with you. I don't think that Jared Goff is somebody you have to game plan around. And I, I don't think he needs to throw 340 yards to win games for you. But in this specific scenario, with how shaky he's been, I think he needs to make the critical throws. And I think this is where he doesn't make them. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's not about the total amount of yards. I mean, maybe he does throw for 300 yards, but that pressure situation, he's got to throw you know, something into a tight window. He was throwing a guy's ankles against the Cowboys with very little pressure around him. So, yeah, you know, I, I just have trouble buying that he's going to make the necessary throws in this environment, you know, against a New Orleans defense that, like you said, has been playing much better. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, the Rams' defense is outstanding, especially that front seven, and New Orleans really struggled hard against the Eagles, which also good, I don't think as good. Yeah, I mean, they've been, I guess, they've been struggling for the last five or six weeks, I think, really. This isn't something new. Mm-hmm. So th- this this is going to be the one I'm, I'm most excited to watch. I mean, Oh, I'm excited to watch go... both of these. Oh, of course, absolutely. You know, we're off on Monday. I'm going to be... Uh, at my local watering hole and vibing, watching both. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, this is the part now when you're a giant fan where you're so far removed from the regular season, all your bitterness is gone that you're not in the playoffs. And oh, now all yes, our, our bitterness all our, was eliminated this weekend. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, just the fact that you're pissed that you're not in it. 
that's long, a distant memory. And now that the people you hate are out of it, now it just becomes, you know, I just want to watch some good football and I just want to see how this whole thing ends. Like, it's amazing for me how people, when you talk about off-season workouts, free agency, the draft, mini camp, cut downs, uh, training camp, the uh, hard knocks, preseason, 17 weeks, three weeks of the playoffs, they're like, I don't even care who wins. I probably don't even watch the Super Bowl or what do I even care now? It's like, you're so invested. Don't you just want to see how this thing plays out and how it ends just from a, a curiosity standpoint? I, I always find that amazing when people always say that. And I think a lot of it is bitterness because your team is out. But now I'm at the point, I'm like, I have no idea if any one of these four teams can win the Super Bowl would not shock me at all. I mean, this is the first time in a long time I felt that. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what happens. I understand. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of different factors in there and not wanting to watch anymore. You know, yeah, I think there's the fan that as soon as their team is out, they're not really watching anymore. So, okay, I think you've nailed that fan. But I think there's some other things. I think when, for instance, I really didn't want to watch the Super Bowl last year. And it's I I well, fucking I hate the Eagles. I hate the Eagles. That's a no win. That's a no win situation. That's a. Well, I don't care about the Patriots. If the Patriots won, it, I would shrug. I truly don't care. I hate the people of Boston are a bunch of pricks. And if you're listening, you're from Boston. You know, fuck off. <laughs> Seriously, I, I. So I mean, that was kind of a no win situation for me, where they're the team in the AFC I like the least. I despise the most. Um. You know, but I, I think if there's a rival team in in the hunt, you know, I think it makes it more difficult to watch because you're just, uh, you just every every first down just makes your skin crawl. Yeah, but it's also good to have villains. You know, yeah. if you're watching, like right now, we're watching four games or more from a an entertainment factor. Just you know, I, I want to see what happens. I'm interested in what's happening. These will be fun games because they're you know good offenses and it should be fun to watch. When you throw a villain in a team you hate, you know, your juices flow. It's almost like watching your team. It's like watching against someone else. And it's like, I'm now rooting for somebody. Like, I'm not rooting for any of these four teams. I mean, I'm all root against New England, but I'm not passionate, you know, like I would against the Eagles or something. So it's, you know, there's two different mindsets for it. This is more of the, I just want to be entertained on Sunday by watching fun games. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I don't agree with it. I just I see where that comes in. The last one and I think this is the most relevant is when your team is so bad and you've just kind of like the only reason you've even watched weeks 9 through 17 is because it's your team. You know, you just football exhausted. It's almost mm-hmm. like, "Oh god, it's finally over. I don't even have to watch this playoffs anymore because, you know, every time you watch and I I feel this personally, you know, seeing Tom Brady stand back there with a clean pocket, it's just like, man, this is refreshing. Like, why can't we just ever have this? <laughs> ever. Well, I mean, every time you see Todd Gurley run through a, you know, what essentially is a hole the size of a garage door, you know, why can't we ever get this? You know. Instead, most of what we saw was what the Saints offensive line was, which is like five straight holding penalties and two false starts. Well, here's something interesting that you kind of bring that up about why can't we have this seeing 
a Todd Gurley. We know something. We have a better version of a Todd Gurley on this team now. So that might make the, you know, not that, not that it shouldn't have been before, but even more the impetus to get this offensive line to an elite level and as fast as possible because we've been blessed with a guy like Saquon Barkley. I mean, these guys come around like once a decade. You know, and as good as Ezekiel Elliott has been, this is a better version of him. So, you know, you're right. When you're a bad team and you're watching, you know, your crappy Giants play a crappy, I don't know, Arizona in October, and you're like, this is so far removed to when I watch the Sunday night game when it's, you know, Kansas City and, uh, you know, the Rams or something. And it gets frustrating. But mm-hmm. I think now, you know, we're only at the end of year one with Dave Gettleman. We believe he has a plan. You know, the Saquon versus quarterback argument's over. We have that piece right now. How fast is he going to build this thing? I think that kind of gives you a little hope that, you know, having an elite piece makes it more of an urgency to get that better as opposed to just, you know, trust the process. Yeah. And and Gettleman's going into the 2019 draft with 11 draft picks. Um, And I don't think, you know, we can argue about Olivier Vernon and Janoris Jenkins, but there's not re- and, and Eli Manning for that matter. But it's not like he's coming into a salary cap mess this year either, which is what mm. he came into last year. You know, mm. I truly believe that he has acquired all these picks throughout the year um, with a plan, and he has at least built up enough reputation with his draft that I feel comfortable. I mean, he. If it weren't for Kyle Oletta, and I'm not saying it was a bad pick, just straight-up production on what we've gotten out of the draft, that would have been a perfect draft. I I would say with Loletta, obviously he was gonna, wasn't going to come in and start or play right, meaningful things. I, I think after year one, I think they expected his development to be further along than it is. So that's the only stain I would have on this draft. Otherwise, I think we far exceeded – you know, we, you know, we hit on basically everything. I mean, uh, a Sam Beal, Sam Beal. I mean, that's obviously still a to be determined, and he might still be a successful cornerback in this, you know, on this team for years to come. Um, unfortunately, got hurt. But this team and all successful teams are built through the draft, and having those eleven picks doesn't mean we're going to have eleven guys on the roster next year who are going to be fighting for. Starting jobs, it means we have flexibility to do different things we couldn't have done before. We're not going to decimate our draft class if we make a trade in 2019 or, like I hypothesized last week, in 2020. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Some of these moves may not be the sexiest. You know, trading up in next year's draft or acquiring a first round pick from next year and trading down in this one, it doesn't have that instant gratification that you get when you select a Saquon Barkley, you know, and it's just one of those things that you have to be patient. It's the same, it's the same way when, you know, you, uh, you take a supplemental pick in the draft or you, how many times have the Patriots traded out of the first round in the last 10 years? Almost every year. It seems like they do that. I don't even think Belichick gives a shit about the draft. I, I, he seems to just pick who he, – he's locked in on a guy and he's just going to take him. He 
you know, big board be damned. He's just going to mm-hmm. pick him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, every year we see, you know, online internet analysts and, you know, I, I don't know, maybe they're accredited journalists or something for NFL.com just give them terrible drafting grades. You know, yeah. this guy could have been had in the third or the fourth. It just doesn't and, matter. And they're in the AFC Championship game every year. Every year. And like, you know, two out of three years are in the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> you know, it will be interesting with the Patriots, though, the decision not to draft Lamar Jackson. I mean, everybody now thinks he's a total bust because he had a bad playoff game. But, again, I think he was probably thrown into the fire a little earlier than they wanted to at Baltimore. And I think he'll be I think he'll be a solid starter in this league. I think he'll be, you know, a different type of offense, that type of guy who can run it. And, you know. Maybe that maybe that would have worked for the Patriots. Maybe that would help that secession plan right now. I, I don't know, but uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, you know, I think everything you just said, as long as Lamar Jackson gets consistent quality coaching, um, you know, it's really important for a guy that needed that much development that he gets consistent coaching. I mean – you switch him out after year one, after throwing him in early for the different coach is going to teach him different things and plant off this foot instead of that foot. And, you know, it, well, it Harbaugh hurts is back development. Then. Yes, Harbaugh I know. Back and, and everybody, so he should be okay with that. He should be okay. I'm just saying that the, the asterisk there of him being a good starter, it's going to depend on whether or not he gets the Alex Smith treatment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, well, I could say that. I could say that about anybody too. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't. He has the raw. T- he's not coming out of college with the what you want developmentally. He's not where you want yet. He has yeah. the ceiling where you want, though. He was a playmaker in college. He was just the superior athlete around everybody. Plays. I went to a game. I went to a Thursday night Louisville NC State game, which ended up being a great game. We saw there were first round picks all over that field. You know, Chubb was there, um, Hill was there, and you can just tell that this guy, A, just had that winning gene, which I know it seems a little silly, but but B, he was just the best athlete out there. It wasn't, you know, it was almost felt like he was just like drawing plays up in the dirt and just, mm. if that wasn't there, he was going to take off and just, you can do that in college. Yeah. You, know, you can do that in the ACC, but that doesn't work in the NFL, but I would never count out guys like him or Deshaun Watson, guys who kind of did that in college because they're successful. And it, you know, you have to have this the the smarts and the uh, the football sense to pull off what he does. And I think it's translatable in the NFL somehow. Sure. Yeah. Um. In somewhat related news today, uh, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma quarterback, Heisman winner. Um, declared for the NFL draft, allegedly, um, on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> interesting guy. Uh, I have not done my actual QB full scouting yet on anybody, so I'm not going to say one thing or another, but mm-hmm. definitely possesses some, some first-round talent. Um, his biggest question mark, I think, universally, is just his height weight which is critically low. Uh, I mean, like, not just, you know, brush it off low. Like, it's an actual, you have to game plan around that if you're going to deal with it. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I do. Well, first of all, it was an absolute no-brainer that he would declare for the draft. I mean, this is somebody who has to make a decision between being, you know, playing baseball with the A's or being in the NFL. And it's always nice to have leverage. And it's, you know, especially, you know, with baseball where, you know, you could, there is no slotting for rookie contracts. They can sign, they can, a, 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 a rookie bonus can be whatever they want it to be. So it's in his best interest to pit one team, one sport against each other for him so he can maximize how much he's going to make. So to me, it's a no brainer that he was coming out and not just saying, I'm out for football, I'm just playing baseball or vice versa. Um, you know, I think he's going to be one of these guys where the closer and closer you get to the draft, he's going to creep up boards. You're right. Not very tall, not very big, but he might be one of these guys who just has one of those combines where people start drooling and it happens every single year. These quarterbacks that start off in the third round, GMs panic. They have to take a quarterback. And all of a sudden, he's drafted higher than he should. So, um, you know, does it change if I'm looking at six, taking him? Probably not. I, from what I've seen, you know, again, I haven't done the film study like Grump is going to, but, you know, the Big 12 is a different, it's a different animal than, you know, even the rest of college or the NFL, where it's just these wide open offenses, they always have the, the quick tempo and just get as many plays out as you can and just five wide receivers and just gun, 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 gun. Um, kind of like Will Greer. Like you look at his numbers and you watch some tape and you're like, well, is this guy really an NFL quarterback, even though he's, you know, had these explosive offenses and the product productivity. Um, I, from the smell test, Haskins looks better to me than him. Uh do I think he's the sixth pick in the draft? I don't probably not, but you know, some team is going to trade up to get him or some team's going to panic and take him too high. I think you're right. I think Murray's going to go into the combine and come in with awful measurables because that's really kind of day one. And then I think he's going to slaughter everything he has to do. And it's going to, it's going to weigh on some GM's mind and it's either going to be a real dumb GM that takes him or a brilliant one. And um, I just, in my head, just see this vision of Bill Belichick getting him at 31. You know, he just slides all the way down. Bill Belichick takes him. And then, you know, Tom Brady retires in a year or two or something. And all of a sudden, it's like nothing ever changed up there. Now, here's what I see, Grump. I see him trading down to like 37, getting another pick somewhere, and then taking him in the beginning of the second round. Yeah. That's what I see happening with Belichick. I, you know, it's just, you know, there's a difference in money. How many you have to sign him to? Yeah. Uh, you get the pick back, you know, some pick somewhere that he could use in a trade or, you know, picking up another guy in a later round or something. But that's definitely the way I see this thing playing out. Yeah. Or the, the other option is Washington takes him and, you know, he flames out because of bad coaching or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, Washington's in a spot right now. I mean, they spent money on Alex Smith, and you know, I wouldn't. You know, it sounds like a nice, sounds like a nice guy, but I wouldn't bet on him ever being back or even back at the level he was before. I mean, he's not a spring chicken either. No. I mean, when did he, he came out in two thousand and 
2005 draft. So now we're talking 14 years out from there. I'm operating on the assumption that Alex Smith is never playing football again. I'm kind of going with that assumption too. And that makes it interesting. If you're Washington now, what are you going to do? I mean, do you panic and you, you know, you, you take a guy like, uh, like Kyle Murray and then you just throw him right into the mix right away. I mean, well, we, I mean, we know what, what, what a team Or do you is- panic and sign Nick Foles? You know what I mean? Which which side of the panic coin are you doing? The the high draft pick bust or the well, big money free agent bust? Well, he's not going to be a free agent. It's it's the same situation as the Giants where with oh, the right. Eagles would the Eagles ever trade in division? I, I mean, would say extremely likely that they won't. <laughs> so possible. It's only possible if if what they're getting in return is they they're running to the bank. You know what I mean? And there's zero chance they're doing that to a division rival. I mean, zero chance that Washington would do that to to a division rival. Give them, you know, the universe. Yeah. Well, no quarterback is worth that, yeah. especially one with you know the question marks that a guy like um, that Murray has. All right. Well, then maybe Nick Foles ends up in Denver or something. I can, I can see Denver. I can see Oakland. I can see you know, all the usual suspects that just, you know, overspend for quarterbacks and three years later are looking for another quarterback. Well, unfortunately, you know, at this time last year, we had a lot to talk about because there was just new coaching hires and new coaching candidates left and right. This time it's, it's really just playoffs. So this is a officially now that the Eagles and Cowboys have been eliminated, you can feel free to, you know, kick back on your weekends, drink some beer. I think it's supposed to snow pretty bad this weekend in the, uh, tri-state ish area. So little, little TV action, little open beer. Maybe you can scout some quarterbacks, argue on Twitter with me at football underscore grump over what should be done at the sixth overall pick. And, um, if Eli Manning should be, cut, traded, beheaded, <laughs> whatever you crazy people think. But I am there at football underscore grump. And so is this podcast at, at Just Giants Pod, which is on SoundCloud and iTunes. Not yet. All right. I'll, I'll get around. I was supposed to do that on Sunday, but uh, I spent uh, my Sunday going to a basketball game, watching football and a hockey game. So we'll try again this week to get that done. I actually had a problem. I had my phone out of commission for five days, and believe me, I felt like uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway without my phone. <laughs> it was rough, <laughs> um, but my phone is back, so I will be back on the Twitter machine. So you can catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. Uh, we can talk about how Ben McAdoo's press conference is no longer the worst press conference in New York football history. After seeing Crazy Eyes um, Adam Gaze today, that was. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you caught that. That was. Uh, that was one for the books. So again, that's not our problem. That is our uh, our roommate's problem. So Jets, again, make sure you get your uh, mortgage payments paid on time <laughs> so we can have our stadium, please. Um, this program, like my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, are on SoundCloud and iTunes. You know, Download them and subscribe. You know the drill. Five-star rating, review, all of that stuff. So uh, – Go out there and do your public service and pump up this show and make Grump and I big famous stars. We won't forget any of you. That's a promise. (laughs) All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.